Blog Talk Radio. The professor is in and classes started at the University of Higher Learning with Keith Law. Join us Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.streetbeefights.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Welcome to the university. You're here with Keith Vaughn here on Street Beast Talk Live, here on Blog Talk Live. I'm Keith Vaughn, a.k.a. The Professor, and today we're going to be talking about something very interesting, something interesting, okay? We're going to be talking about the Russian invasion, the Russian invasion. Now, there's been a surge lately of Russian fighters, and they've been coming into mixed martial arts, and they've been tearing things up. They've been really, like, doing a lot of damage. So we're going to do a couple of quick commercial break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to get into our show. Spend your Saturday evenings with the wild chauffeur, K-Dog, Kevin Davis on K-Dog's Corner right here on Street Fight Talk Live, www.streetbeefights, love up or shut up. Introducing LookingVibrant.com. Fuel your body and mind for success. We've started this company after being customers of other brands for many years, frustrated with supplements that are full of synthetic ingredients, chemicals, and cheap Chinese ingredients. Thus, as concerned citizens, we've used our frustration as fuel to start this company after several years learning about nutrition, FDA regulation, and connecting with nutritional gurus like Dr. Tracy Gibbs and many others until we launched in 2016. We've just completed the development of four liposomes products with a PhD specializing in phospholipids that delivers more than 90% of the nutrients directly to the bloodstream, according to Dr. Alec Bannum at the Babram Institute in Cambridge, UK. We use no pressure, no toxic solvents, and no heat in our manufacturing process. No MSG, EDTA-free. Unlike LiveOn.com that add alcohol, EDTA, and use phospholipid from soy, all our liposomal products are derived from non-GMO certified sunflower oil from Europe. And all our flavors are 100% natural plant extracts only from the USA. All Looking Vibrant products are undenatured, BPA-free packaging, gluten-free, soy-free, alcohol-free, EDTA-free, made in the U.S. with GMP, FDA-approved facilities only, never with artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors added, never irradiated or fumigated with ethylene gas. We're rated number one by supplementchart.com. Dr. Joel Wallach said, when we sweat, we sweat over 65 water-soluble nutrients. Dr. Oz said, taking high-quality supplements is like buying a cheap life insurance. Replenish, refuel, and energize with lookingvibrant.com. Free shipping for orders over $50. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA. Please consult your physician before using any supplements. Read full disclaimer. This is Scarface, and you're listening to Street Beast Fight Talk Live with Jason Kubin. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, here at the University Higher Learning with the professor, Keith Vaughn. Before we went, pay the bills, went quick commercial break. Like I said, we're going to be speaking about the 
excuse in the university, we have a couple of classes going on. Uh, so if you're going to hear a little bit of background interference, that's what's going on. The university is very busy and everything. But um, we're going to talk about the Russian invasion. And um, those that know me or know a little bit about me, those from Street Beast, different things like that, and we're going to go and uh, get to some of our sponsors later. On Street Beast, just martial arts community or about town or whatever, I'm really big in Sambo. I have a Sambo background. Um, I love martial arts. I love the Russian martial arts of Sambo. And uh, so it's kind of fitting for me to speak on this issue because those that don't know, uh, Sambo is a Russian martial art that was developed in the 1940s, actually during World War II, a little bit before World War II, but that's kind of when it got introduced in World War II. And um, it's a combination of different grappling systems, wrestling, judo, karate, boxing. It's definitely a hybrid or mixed martial arts in itself. So, um, and this was introduced, this was introduced to the Russians during that time, and it just kind of surged into their own national sport. So you have a lot of mixed martial artists that comes from Russia. Russia is a very huge place. That actually are Sambo practitioners. So today's other stuff, but primarily today's episode is going to be about the Russian invasion and basically not just the Russian invasion and speaking about Sambo, but we're going to go and tap in about the Russian mentality, the, the Russian way of life, thinking of how they approach stuff that we're going to talk about today. And um, we're just going to kind of go a little bit from the beginning. I have a short on time, so I can't go into as much detail. I was like going through the whole history and everything like that. But we're just going to touch on just a couple of fighters, touch on their work ethics, and kind of like what's making these Russian fighters so successful. Now, I know probably the, the most popular Russian fighter to date is probably Fyodor Emelianenko, which was a heavyweight that fought in Pride, fought in Strike Force, um, Global, um, and in different organizations. Uh, and those that know about Fedor, he's considered probably the greatest heavyweight ever to step into the ring or the cage, however you want to put it. So, you know, Fedor comes from a Sambo background, okay? And as I said before, a Sambo is a combination of other different fighting arts, uh, wrestling, judo, boxing. And Fedor was known for primarily two things. He was known for his punching power, and he was also known for uh, his grappling, his grappling ability, uh, particularly his judo tools, and his ground and pound, I must admit, or also his ground and pound. He was actually kind of, um, those that don't know, the UFC, former UFC heavyweight champion Mark Coleman is considered the grandfather of GNP Grind and Pound. And they said that Fayador actually took that to the next level. Now, Fayador came into, well, now currently he's kind of, he just had a win over Frank Mir and I believe Bellator. But um, he holds a 37 and 5 and 1 record. That's 37 wins, 5 losses, and 1 kind of. Okay, uh, he has 11 KOs, 17 submission wins, and nine decision wins, with a losses of four KO losses and one submission loss. And his one submission loss came from 
His one submission laws, sorry about the background there. His one submission laws came from um, Fabricio Verdum and Strikeforce, which is considered one of the greatest um, upsets in mixed martial arts uh, history. Uh, one of one of them. I was actually upset, and actually it was in the first round. Uh, Fedor lost by a uh, triangle choke. Um, so, you know, stuff like that happens. <laughs> but he has a very good record. His record is very solid. But record thirty-seven five and one, and he's still competing to this day. And during the two thousand, Fedor dominated. He he dominated. Uh, the heavyweight division in Pride, because at the time UFC was during his dark ages. But um, he dominated the sport. He was actually not only considered the best heavyweight fighter, he was actually considered like the best fighter in the world at the time. So this is, this is very remarkable. So he's probably the most famous Russian fighter. Now, if we go a little bit earlier, uh, before that, we have Olaf Tetorov. I, I so butcher. I'm going to butcher a lot of these... Um, Russian names, so bear with me. <laughs> bear with me. But um, Oleg, Oleg Takatarov, he's also a Russian fighter that uh, was basically introduced during the first early UFCs. Um, I remember search correctly, he came in at UFC 6. At that time, they were still doing basically tournament-style type of fighting. And um, Oleg, as well as um, before, well, before, beforehand, he before uh, Fedor, he came with the Sambo background, and um, he had pretty good success in MMA. He actually won the um, the tournament, the, the UFC tournament, and what was a new type of fighting system that was different than at the time. Because at the time, I mean, we're talking back in the early nineties. Uh, we're speaking of talking about what, 1993, about 1994, 1995. You know what I mean? So, what was really being introduced as Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, that was your primary grappling system, your grappling art. And then, as we know, if you go through the history, you have that wrestling actually started to kind of dominate. And even still to this day, you see uh, wrestling is more of the prominent. Um, uh, grappling system for mixed martial arts Well, in, in UFC or whatever case fighting But um, he came with Sambo And at that time, you know, when you saw with the Sambo You saw with the Sambo um, this, He was doing submissions He was getting ground position um, As top position Where when we saw from the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fighters um, The Gracies They were more or less fighting on their backs Which is still pretty much for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu today, and I did a whole podcast before about my thoughts on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, whatever, but we're not here for that. But he brought a whole different type of grappling, uh, uh, grappling ship to mixed martial arts or the UFC at that time, and he had pretty good success as a career. Uh, as a career, he has a 17-5 and record, 17-5-2. and That's uh, two, two wins by knockout, of uh, 14 by submissions, one decision victory, and his losses is um, three knockouts, three knockout losses, and two decision losses with two draws. He's never been submitted, you know. And this is something that you're going to find out as we go through different fighters um, and Sambo. You're going to start noticing something, especially if you do the history and just your research on them. You're going to find something about these fighters 
that um and I'm kinda jumping a little bit, but I have time. I have a hour forty seven minutes. You're gonna see that these Russians uh have this very persistent um work ethic. And and of course they they have wrestling and those that know wrestling, wrestling is what they like to call the grind. This is the grind. This is getting in there, getting sweaty, um, pushing forward adversity and just kinda just really Opposing your will on your on your opponent, but it's something about these Russians, man, that they, they they do it unlike any other, and this goes back from the Olympics, going back into the 80s and the 90s of the Olympics, where um, even even during the Cold War, even the Cold War in the 70s, where you had the American and the the Russian kind of fighting for the best, you know, the the space war and you know the Star Wars and the race to the space and race to the moon, and, uh, and when it came to the Olympics and competition, you know, it, it's funny because you kind of look at America. America has this America might, American strength. You know, look at who our spokesperson is in comic books. You know, Captain America. You know, Steve Rogers had to take this, you know, the super soldier serum steroids basically to to be this captain america you know what i mean and and so this was like the the attitude and then you got to realize this is in the 1940s during the world war ii when captain america and everything came came into function you know but the russians have this as well um even their submarines are huge they had they're known to have the largest submarines in the world the the russian work ethic and i actually been to russia before um, well, different parts. Russia is a very big continent. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's huge. Well, Russia's not even a continent. It's Asia. But Russia is a huge country that actually occupied a lot of smaller countries in the territory. The USSR, old Soviet Union with Ukraine, uh, Dakistan. We're going to talk about, you know, how this influence, hopefully we can get into it, the influence of Russia and how basically they um, – Dominated. They actually dominated and took over smaller countries, which actually made their empire bigger. So, when we think Russia, we think you know Ivan Drago from Rocky, you know, like the Caucasian um, uh, eyes, or that you know, this is what we think of. But actually, when you look at Russia as a full body, it has many groups of individuals. Um, it has Muslims, it has darker skin complexion people, melanated people. So Russia is a very big, you know, it's, 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 it's a very big country, very big country. So getting back, you know, you have this, this Russian mindset and you have this, this Russian concept of power. And you see that w- within sports. You, you saw that the, the Russian swim team, uh, with the women, very big, very muscular uh, for, for swimming, very big on, on stamina, very big on endurance and, and performance. And this is carried even to this day where you see the Russian work ethics. Now, it's funny. I don't know any of you that's listening that have any Russian friends or know anyone, you know, from Russia or whatever. They're Billy badasses. I mean, they're badasses. They're tough people. They're very cool. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're Siberian. You know, uh, I'm putting a little accent on it, but, you know, they're very cold and very hard individuals. Even when you look at the difference of um, dealing with special forces, when, the, you know, you always hear about the Spetsnaz, 
you know, who actually studies Sambo, go Sambo. I'm very Sambo biased, not overly biased, but, you know, the the – the the, the Spetsnaz of, of of the you know the Russian special forces, how cold blooded they are, how strong they are, how tough, mentally strong that they are, not just physically, how mentally strong they are. They can't be broken, you know. Um, look at the KGB and the CIA. You know, uh, the CIA was very calculated, was very precise, um, and and their methods of how they operate. The KGB was just, you know, blew it the fuck up. <laughs> you know, it was very direct, very cold-blooded. Uh, they didn't care how much carnage, as long as the job was done. Yeah, I'm looking for mission accomplishment, you know. So it, it's, it, it, it's just a different contrast in a sense of American is strong, America is tough. But when it comes to Russians, or when it comes to Russians, it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game on a different level. And you see this with their fighters. You see this with his fighters. Now, when I'm speaking about the Russian takeover and the, this Russian invasion, I am not speaking about this in a political standpoint or it's a negative thing. I'm just speaking is that you're seeing a surge. You're seeing a surge in Russian Athletes, especially in MMA, well, I'm speaking specifically in MMA, Russian athletes, fighters coming into mixed martial arts, coming into these gyms um, and, and dominating. AKA um, has, have, um, Daniel Cormier has even said this, that the Russians are taking over the gym. He said the Russians are coming over and he said they're, they're just really performing. And you're seeing this. Now, I've seen this for a long time. I've seen this for a, for a while. This has always been something that existed. Uh, maybe now we're starting to get the limelight. But, um, you know, Sylvester Stallone kind of did it with Rocky, although that's dealing with the time, you know, with the, the Russians or whatever. But you, 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 I, I kind of always saw it. I, I kind of always saw it. I always, I always knew what the Russian people were about. Um, I had an opportunity uh, in my younger days to actually hang out with, you know, a lot of Russians and how they operate and how they are. And I tell you, they're the coolest people in the world, but they don't play. <laughs> they don't play. And I'm not trying to say this is like they're just cold, you know, no hard or anything, but they're different. It, 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 it's, it's a very different um, – it's just a very different mentality, you know. So getting back into mixed martial arts, getting back to – Getting back to mixed martial arts about, you know, how the, the Russians, you had Feodor. And Feodor for the 2000s, like I said before, he really dominated. And he really uh, just really took over the sport single-handedly. And then from there, you really didn't have too many Russian fighters that really stood out. You didn't have any Russian standouts that really stepped up. You know, and and when I'm saying stepped up, I'm not saying that they weren't, not saying that they weren't fighting, but um, you hear that in the background. That's uh, one of our professors. That's Professor Kirby. Yeah, uh, Professor Kirby's running a uh, particular class in uh, one of the other rooms. So if you hear a certain noise, that's Professor Kirby talking. Um, he's um actually doing a performance uh, for his class. But um, you know, getting back, you know. <laughs> You have um, you didn't have these Russian fighters that 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 came up. 
So now you're dealing with 2018, 2018, and that happened a little bit before. But now you're starting to see this this implosion, ex- explosion of Russian fighters. And uh, not going to really talk about Khabib because we all kind of know about Khabib is probably now the most popular Russian fighter. And but there are other people besides Khabib that are doing things in the sport in the UFC and also in Bellator, which are really just man making waves. Um, so I'm going to kind of say it could be for last, but you got fighters. This is in Bellator. You have um, Alexander the Storm Shalaminko, okay? And I've actually followed him for a little bit at one time. And uh, he holds a record of 57 wins, 11 losses with one no contest. He fights at middleweight and in light heavyweight. You know, now hear this. Okay. I think Professor Kirby is – um. He's hurt, but um, you know, 57 wins and 11 losses. This man has over 70 fucking fights, almost. I mean, this is remarkable. You know what I mean? And you look at it. Here's his win column, which is so funny. He has 31 KO wins, nine submission wins, and 16 wins by the decision. With it, with two, four, and five losses, two KOs, four, four subs, and five decisions, you know, losses. And uh, they say, excuse the background, Professor Kirby is um doing one of his demonstrations. Um, and um, Alexander holds a a a uh, boxing and wrestling. He has a, a boxing um background, you know. Now, this is something where I'm going to go through a lot of these fighters, and you're going to see, you're going to see that they're either going to be very good grapplers, or they're going to be very good strikers. And this is, I know I'm skipping a little bit, but this this is what you're going to, this is what you're seeing. When you think of kickboxing and you think of striking arts, you know, of course people think of karate and they think of certain karate costs, whatever. But if I say Muay Thai, who do you think of as a place for Muay Thai? Some people think Thailand. Yes, that's kind of like the original, that's the origin place of, of um, Muay Thai, going back to Muay, Muay Baran and everything. But if you think of sport fighting and competition, you go to Amsterdam. You think of the, ne- the Netherlands. You, you, you think of... You think of um, the Dutch, you think of um, Boss Rutin, you think of Alistair Overing, you think of Ernest Hoost, uh, you think of Shimmy Schultz, you think of these guys that actually have that Holland lineage, that Amsterdam lineage, you know, that Netherland uh, um, lineage, because why? What they did with kickboxing, they took it to the next level. They took kickboxing and, and the striking arts to the next level. This is what the Russians are doing with wrestling. This is what they're doing with Sambo. Now, normally when you think of wrestling, you think of America. You think of America, you think of the Midwest. Um, you think of uh, high school, collegiate wrestling, Olympic wrestling, or whatever, and, that, and that's fine and dandy. But what these Russians are doing, and Dakistan and these different places, these locales in Russia, they're, they're doing it better. They're doing it better. They're, they're, they're taking what's already there, and they're adapting it, and they're putting their own style, their own twist on it, and they're doing exactly what... The, 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 the Dutch did with kickboxing. 
they're making it their own. They're making it their premier, I guess, go-to bread and butter. And it's quite fascinating, you know, when, when you really put down, like, the history and, and what's happening. So when I go through these fighters, you're going to see, like, a lot of these fighters are going to have a wrestling base. They're going to have a wrestling base. And like I said, the, the wrestling base is Sambo. It's going to be Judo. It's going to be folklore. It's going to be freestyle. It's going to be Greco. It's going to be all these different type of grappling, wrestling arts tied into one that they just adapt. And then they start doing boxing. They start, you know, putting boxing in their repertoire. And they start adding karate. And it, it's really, you know, especially when you start dealing with Sambo. I don't want to do a thing with Sambo. But you really start seeing how the Russian fighters are taking mixed martial arts. And, but see, they really don't call it mixed martial arts. If you really speak to a Russian, they say, I do combat sports. That, that, that's what they say. They say combat sports, you know what I mean, or, or combat arms. They, they really don't use MMA because to them, Sambo is basically combat without, you know, it, it's, it's, it's combat self-defense. It's combat without weapons, you know. So to them, they, they think of this as, a, as combat, not necessarily a sport which that shows the mentality once again, you know. Another up-and-coming, I, I got a couple of guys here, but um, you know what, since um, another one who is getting a lot of um, a lot of attention lately is Zabip Mega, Meda Sheparov. I'm going to, I know I'm butchering this. Me, <laughs> Mega Meda Sheparov, uh, Zabip. Uh, Zabip fights at featherweight. He has a 17-1 record. He's also a wrestler um, from Dekistan with decent striking. His striking is actually better than Khabib's striking. You know what I mean? And um, he holds a 17-1 record, as I said, with six KOs, seven subs, and three, dimension, three dimensions. Three decision wins with um, one sub loss. And what makes it beat very unique is that he is starting to be the um, – I don't want to jump the gun when I say this, but he's starting to be the Conor McGregor, the GSP of um, of Russia, of when it comes to the fighting style. What I, what I mean by that is he's a guy that mixes it up. He doesn't just grapple very well like uh, Khabib. Khabib Nurmagomedov has a very strong grappling wrestling base. That's his bread and butter. That's his go-to. Um, Zabit, he can do it all. He can sit there and strike with you, just spinning back kicks, uh, spinning back fist, jumps up in the air. He does the showtime kick. Uh, he'll take you down. He just want to fight by a knee bar, you know, which is prominent in Sambo. Um, th- this guy, man, it- it's just how he-, he slips punches and just does a lot of very interesting things that is very different than his Russian counterparts. Now, I'm not saying that a lot of these Russian, counter- that a lot of these Russian fighters or his Russian counterparts don't fight like this. But when you start dealing with the total package, you start dealing with the total package of, of Zabib as a fighter, man, it, it, it's, it's night and day compared to a lot of the, the rest. And, and, it, and it shows. And, you know, a lot of these Dakistanis are, are very big on wrestling. Um, there's actually, I believe, uh, Khabib, he's six or nine years old. There's a video with him wrestling with a bear. It's like a little, little mini bear cub or whatever, and he's wrestling with the bear. And, you know, a lot of people are really impressed with this, and then you have some people that's like, oh, well, that, that, that's nothing. This is what makes this fascinating. The bear has more strength than him, and it just shows the technique. This is part of the grind 
that I that I was speaking about. You know, it, it's kind of like this: if you can wrestle a bear <laughs> and you can hang with a bear, you can definitely hang with a human. Not only what this does, it, it's a mental aspect. You're fighting an animal. This is a wild animal. Of course, it's it's, it's chained or whatever, but it's to get. I fight a bear. It's kind of like Van Geek from Street Fighter. I fight a bear. What can a man do to me? You know, it, it's it's this mentality. And me being part of military of uh, Marines, the four years combat vet and everything, you know, we've studied and uh, we work with different special forces units. And a lot of the training, all right, has to do with the mentality, you know, that that, that perseverance, that endurance. And once again, I'm going to keep saying this through this podcast. The Russians demonstrate this. They demonstrate this, you know. Um, they, they show this time and time again in their fighting. Um, even Theodore. Theodore, there were fights where he, pre- he had to persevere. One, for instance, during Pride, when he fought against Mark Hunt. Um, <laughs> I thought that was probably going to be his first loss. He actually won, if I'm not mistaken, he won that fight by either Kimura or a rear naked choke. I think it was a rear naked choke that he, he won. He won that fight. It was, I think it was a rear naked choke. But um, he persevered. Um, you know, there's also another famous scene with the um, the late Kevin Random in Rest in Peace where it, it, he does a back play and, and, you know, drops Theodore directly on his neck. And you thought, oh, my gosh, this is a, like a real, like, severe spinal injury. And Theodore just kind of, like, shook it off and, and won the fight. You know what I mean? This is that type of mentality, that perseverance that these Russian fighters have. And, um, yeah, I'm going to tell you off the bat. Yeah, I'm not hugging Russia right now. I'm not hugging them for several reasons. Um, I love, I, like I said, I had a lot of Russian friends. Um, I practice Sambo. Sambo is my background. It's my base. So um, I'm very biased towards I'm very biased towards it. You know. You know, very biased towards it, so... When it comes to Sambo, you know, I, I will always lean towards that. But these, you cannot find how great these fighters are. Now, of course, the level of competition is, is, is still kind of at the beginning stage. But you're seeing a lot. All, all these fighters are going to do, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. So as long as they get better and they have the stats and they, they're doing what they're doing now, you're going to definitely see the greatness. You're going to see how how much more they become. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to kind of pay these bills real quick, and um, I'm going to go to a quick commercial break. Talk a little bit more about the Russian invasion, and I'm going to hit up a little bit more fighters, and uh, then we're going to start kind of rolling, we're going to roll this into another topic that I want to share with y'all. So, this is uh, Higher Learning, University with the Professor, the Russian Invasion, we're going to a commercial break, and we'll be back. Simple, extravagant, classy, wild. No matter how you express yourself, let TJ's Dermographics give you your favorite tattoo. TJ's Dermographics is the only freehand tattoo studio in Harrisonburg. No stencils, no tracing. Only the highest quality body artwork from the best artists in town. And if you need to freshen up your artwork or get rid of a tattoo, we've got you covered. We also offer touch-ups, cover-ups, removal, and more. Express yourself at TJ's Dermographics, the first tattoo parlor in Harrisonburg. 
Facebook has become a popular outlet for selling merchandise online. But how can you protect yourself from bad buyers or sellers? Well, check out Buyers, Sellers, Wall of Shame for Page from Rockingham County and surrounding areas. It's a Facebook group where you can go and research people that you may be buying from or selling to. Never get caught again in a bad deal. At the Buyers, Sellers, Wall of Shame for Page in Rockingham County and surrounding areas. Only on Facebook. We are the Borg. Resistance is futile. When traversing the universe, we always be sure to check Spotify to make sure the Federation isn't out there seeking to stop us from assimilating you. Spotify on Facebook. Is your computer running slow, full of viruses, or locking up? Well, call Comstar Computers at 540-435-1126, and they'll have you up and running in no time. Comstar Computers offers a full range of computer services and proudly serves the Shenandoah Valley. You can check them out online at www.comstarcomputers.com. Comstar Computers, 540-435-1126. At Comstar, they're not number one, you are. Rockingham Aquatic Specialty is your number one spot for aquatic life and accessories. www.rasaquatics.onefreecart.com. That's the number one freecart.com. Rockingham Aquatic Specialty, serving your aquarium needs. Street Beast Internet Radio brings you the latest in training and nutrition tips from Glenn Brophy. Check out What's Good with Glenn on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, right here on StreetBeastFights.com. Fuck up or shut up. Are you getting tired of feeling sick, having some digestive problems, lack of energy, or just feeling good? Have you already been to the doctor only to be told that the x-rays are normal, yet you feel miserable because it's been that way for quite some time? Prescribed medications to suppress the symptoms are not what you're looking for. Hello, I am Dr. Arthur Fierro, a chiropractor in Harrisburg, Virginia. In addition to treating all sorts of joint and muscle pain, I am one of only a few hundred physicians in the United States that's board certified in nutrition by the American Clinical Board. Our physicians are medical doctors, chiropractors, naturopaths, and other healthcare professionals. I am one of only two physicians in Virginia that holds that credential. After all the conventional tests have told you what you don't have, maybe the answer is that it is not an organic disease, but a metabolic dysfunction. To say that A can't make B, so that in the body C can't work. This is what functional medicine is about. With functional medicine, I can think outside the box and utilize different tests that can show us the real cause of your health issues and treat it. Once we know the true cause, we can work to resolve the health issue. If you feel you have fallen through the healthcare crack, consider seeing me for a consultation. I have been in practice for over 40 years, and I know how to think outside the box. Call me, Dr. Fierro, at 540-434-2495. Toll-free line, 877-434-2495. I do consultations over the phone when necessary. My name is Devin Eldred, and I'm a freelance graphic designer and photographer. My goal is to help establish your brand name one fix all the time. For business inquiries, feel free to contact me at 540-560-7624. Thank you. All right, welcome back. 
How's everyone doing? Welcome back to the university here, Higher Learning with the Professor. I'm Keith Vaughn, a.k.a. The Professor, and you're here on Street Beats Talk Live here on blogtalkradio.com live. And, uh, hey, we're just sitting back uh, before we went to the commercial break, and we're talking about the Russian invasion, talking about the how the Russian fighters are, are basically, I'm not going to really say dominating, but how they're making a huge wave in mixed martial arts. Uh, before we get started again, I'd like to uh, thank a couple of our sponsors out there, uh, LookingHybrid.com, Computers, TJ's Demographs, Dr. Fierro, and a spot of cop. Also, for those that are listening in, uh, as I said, I've said this um, times before on, on the podcast, that if you don't like what I'm saying or you want to get more of what's being said, there are other shows that take place throughout the week. So I'm not the only one. Uh, so I'm just going to name a couple of them. I'm going to name them all. You have uh, Jason Cuman's Fight Talk Live. That's every Sunday. These are all Eastern times, by the way. Uh, Sunday at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. You got Wild Whitey's What the Fuck is Going Down, Friday, 6.30 to 8 p.m. We have Glenn. What's good with Glenn? Back up or shut up, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right there, we got Professor Kirby. Professor Kirby's in the background running his classes. All right. Uh, you have the Higher Learning with the Professor, which is myself, at every Wednesday, 6.30 to 8 p.m. And then you got Kevin's K-Dog's Corner, Saturday, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. So those are the different podcasts that are happening throughout the week. Um, they're touching different topics. They touch uh, different topics of sport and fitness, sports, uh, you know, uh, nutrition, uh, world events, music, politics, different things. And I, and I keep saying this, and I will continue to say this. Uh, I primarily speak about mixed martial arts. Uh, sometimes I, I speak about worldly stuff, but predominantly mixed martial arts. If you want to get a change of that, you know, a change of scenery, tune in to these other podcasts, man. These guys here, man, we work hard to put stuff up for you guys and, um, you know, just show your love, man. You don't have to even listen to the whole thing, man. Just listen to a couple of segments, turn it off to show your support, call in, give us some feedback, you know, let us know, you know, what you want to hear. Uh, let us know how do you feel about some of the topics, you know. Uh, so we're doing this all pro bono. No one's getting paid for this. At least I'm not getting paid for it. So, uh, you know, just show your support and tune in to myself and tune in to the other guys that's doing their thing. So, um, also, Street Beast, we have a fight that's supposed to be coming up uh, Saturday in uh, Satan's Backyard. Um, it was, last week's fight was canceled because of um, weather conditions. Um, I don't know. I haven't been on the um, I haven't been on the um, the site too much on the page. I've been ripping and running around going through a bunch of personal stuff. But um, I believe this Saturday they're trying to get an event. I know there was some. Um, gave uh, gave the last one. That was the last one. I just said someone else. Uh, I don't know if the event is going to be held this weekend or not. Simply because um, I think the weather's going to be bad again, and I think Scarface was actually trying to see who's interested in fighting in the mud and, you know, getting dirty or not. So I'm not too sure about that. Um, I am looking forward, though, for that event. It's supposed to be, and I've been saying this for a while, this is supposed to be the Street Beast Combat Grappling that is um, held by White Whitey. Um, 
by I said white whitey, I'm sorry, wild whitey, excuse me. Well, the wild white whitey. <laughs> or the white wild whitey, wild white whitey. But anyway, um by um by him. So I'm really looking forward to uh seeing the the the, the whole combat grappling. For those that don't know what combat grappling is, it's basically uh jujitsu or grappling, it's wrestling or, or jujitsu what it's a grappling art. Uh, where you can strike um, open palm to the face and to the body. So this also gives it to if someone's working on a submission, you can actually do palm strikes to um, open them up and to soften them up and then to get out of it. Or if you want to engage in a submission or a transition for yourself, you can do so. So I think it's very interesting. Uh, I think it's a wonderful idea. Uh, I can't wait to really see that event Um, And I think it's going to be Very, very good when it kicks off As I said, it's supposed to be this week um, But the weather Who knows But I'm I'm really looking forward to it Um, Other news Other news As we know, we have a couple of UFC events coming up And that's one of the reasons why I'm actually doing all this. I, I'm speaking a lot about Russia. I'm speaking a lot about Conor McGregor, fight styles, because as we know, um, in October, October 6th, and I think I cite this like I believe it's October 6th, that Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. And to me, that is a very, it, it's a very personal fight for me on both ends. Uh, for those, believe it or not, I'm from Irish descent. I do have Irish, Irish uh, running through my blood. You know, Mother Ireland is, is through my blood. Uh, so I've supported Conor from the beginning of his career. Actually, those that don't know, I was telling people about Conor McGregor before y'all even knew about Conor McGregor. And just like Ronda Rousey, I was telling people about Ronda Rousey before Ronda Rousey became a household name. And I was telling people, it was like, look, like, yo, this is girl, judo background. Judo hasn't been in the sport like that. Uh, the only person that really kind of did judo, there was only uh, three people. Um, Sudoku, Sudoku, black guy from I believe South Africa, Feodor, and the Japanese guy can't think of his name from Pride at a couple of organizations. And the, oh, and Cairo Parisian, I'm sorry, and Cairo Parisian. But um, you really didn't really see judo. I mean, I was telling people, look, there's this girl, amateur, Ronda Rousey, they call her Rowdy. This girl is like doing arm bars, she has this judo stuff, this girl is hot. Hey, people didn't believe me, but those that know me, they'll tell you. I was talking about this girl before she even hit mainstream. Same thing with Conor McGregor. Um, I was speaking about Conor before Conor really hit. Um, Hey, you know, now, what I mean that he's hit, not in Ireland. I didn't know about him in Ireland, but when he came to the UFC and he had his first fight, I said, whoa, there's something there. I said, there's something there. I said, this guy has skills. Then I started doing my research because I was so impressed with him. Then that's when I, you know, I just became a fan. But getting back, I'm torn between these two because Connor's made me a lot of money. Um, I'm I'm Irish. You know, I I come from Irish descent. I have Irish running through my veins and through my blood, you know. But I also have loyalty to Russia, you know. Uh, Why? As I said, Sambo background. I've had a lot of Russian friends. I've actually worked for Russians before. Um, any of y'all knows who the voters are. That's a whole different topic. But, um, you know, there's a lot. I love, I really appreciate the Russian culture and the Russian mindset, uh, the Spetsnaz and just just different things. So I'm torn between my loyalty, you know, um, as in really who I'm rooting for. 
Um, I'm I'm leaning more towards Khabib just because stylistically, but I mean, uh, also could be because he's Muslim. I'm Muslim too. Alhamdulillah. Uh, so you know, it, it, it's just ve- it, it, it's a lot here. This is a very personal fight to me. Um, good on both men. Good on both men, and I'll be honest. Um, I feel that Khabib has the edge, although all it takes is one shot with Connor. But I believe Khabib has the edge. But um, I would not be upset if either man won, and that that's the honest to goodness truth. Um, both men would be deserving of it. I would like to see Khabib simply for the aspect more so of Khabib because um, he really came from the from the from the bottom. He came from the bottom. Um, I don't know, and I spoke to this before about the Russian mindset. The reason why these Russians are the way that they are, because look at their history. You have to look historically dealing with the Cold War. Cold War, I'm sorry. Well, it's part of the Cold War, but communism. You know, dealing with communism, dealing with how their government actually treated the people and how they had to live, how countries were being invaded by the mainland of Russia and and had to adapt. You know, they have a history of just really going through hardship. And I don't know if y'all know anything about Dekistan. Um, You know, that's not, dude, it's not like Vegas. It's not like Beverly Hills, you know. And don't get me wrong, um, Conor McGregor, uh, I don't want to say he was poor. He wasn't poor. Conor Conor was not poor. Conor was average. He he lived an average life. Um, He was actually starting to be a plumber. You know what I mean? He was he he was he wasn't poor. He wasn't worrying about you know getting shot. He wasn't worrying about you know persecution. He wasn't worrying about bombs being dropped over his head. So it, it's two different type of mentalities. Uh, you know that would be like me now that I win a million dollars and I'm like, oh yeah, you know I started from the bottom. Um, no, I did not start from the bottom. I was actually raised in a four hundred thousand dollar house in a very rich suburb. Uh, you know what I mean? I had a very nice life uh, for a good portion of it. Um, I've been on both sides of the track, it, it, to, to be truthful. But I cannot say that I was really poor. You know, I was poor in comparison to where I would be if I had millions of dollars. But to say that I was poor and rats and roaches and I was eating out of the trash and going up and different things like that, no. So in comparison, Connor was not poor. <laughs> Connor was not poor. Uh, you know, it, Tyron Woodley was poor. He's poor where he lives. You know, Flint, Michigan. That's poor. Um, the Diaz brothers can actually say that you know they were poor in that sense. And I, I don't want to you know go to one of the reasons. Another reason why I lean towards Habib. Um, he he has a lot, man. He has a lot to prove. He has. He's trying to get that fame and that stardom. It really doesn't mean nothing to him. He's trying to be the best that he can be. And this is something, um, not getting too much into the religious thing, but uh, he has a religious conviction. He also has a national conviction, you know what I mean, uh, that, that pride on both ends. And he's fighting for something. Um, Connor is fighting just to get rich, just to get rich. And, of course, motivation with his daughter and his, you know, his family, of course. And I'm not trying to take that away, but, um, you know, he, he – it's different, man. It's different motivations, man, when when you're really looking up. When you're really looking up, man, and then I'm talking about when you're at the bottom of the barrel looking up at the rest of the trash, man, and you're you're there, sky's the limit, compared to you're just kind of like in the middle of the trash looking up. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit of trash, but you know what? Uh, 
couple more feet, I'm out of this shit. So it, it, it's totally a difference. But getting back, both men would be well-deserving of a victory. I'm just leaning towards one man over the other. Um, but I think it's going to be a wonderful fight. This is why I'm doing a lot of uh, Russian stuff, a lot of speaking about Sambo, uh, speaking a lot about, you know, uh, Khabib and, and, and this fight. Because of this fight, this fight is very dear to me. Um, I'm actually thinking about next week doing kind of like a little short podcast on, um, on Conor McGregor, you know, because of those ties of my Irish roots and my Irish heritage, you know. So it's just a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Um, I do feel that this fight, and I've mentioned this several times, would be very good for the sport. I think it's going to be the highest, um, the highest pay per view ever in history. It's martial arts and mixed martial arts, um, not in boxing, but not compared to boxing with Floyd Mayweather. But I think in um, the UFC, this is going to be the, the biggest. You got to realize you're dealing with two, um, two countries, especially Russia, especially Russia, Russia as a whole. Uh, oh my gosh! I, I believe 130 million people. You got 130 million people, which is fascinating. And I believe um, I was gonna say Italy. Ireland has four. You know, uh, let, 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 let me research this. Let me see. I, I know that which girl has a thing. Uh, 130 million. Uh, Russia. Let me see. Um, Ireland's population, I know I did this before, but, um, hey, I got a bad memory. <laughs> Ireland population, I believe it's um, it's like 4 million, if I'm not mistaken. And survey says, yep, 4.75, so about 5 million. I, I, I was right, 4.8, 4.5, yeah. Yeah, 4.8. Uh, population was about ranking the same. Yeah. Oh, just under, yeah. Uh, uh, approximately four point. Okay, so they have roughly about five million people. Like I said, they have about five million people in Ireland. Um, Russia, like I said before, <clears throat> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about 130, 130 um, million. Could be wrong, but let's see. So, you know, do a little... A little uh, geography. Okay, 143. So I I was pretty close. I I was pretty close on my um on my numbers. So this this is is huge, man. This is huge, especially the Russian what's McComb. And um, wow, man, it's just so fascinating, man. You know, 143 million people. Of course, not everyone has a TV, but you could look at. Man, just picture only if, like, let's just say 43 million tune in. Picture that. Picture 43 million pay-per-view buys. Man, do you know? I mean, hopefully, well, I already know Conor McGregor and people are going to get points, uh, pay-per-view points off of that. You know, really a game changer. Really a game changer when you have a whole country um, behind you. And this is something that was with Fedor Emelianenko. Fedor, when he was at his peak, man, he had a country behind him, man. He had all of Mother Russia. There were very few people. And, and this is funny because um, I'm such a, a, a fan of, of Fedor, my son. Uh, I have a son. I have a little son. Um, he, he's eight years old, and his name is Fedor Melianenko Vaughn. That's on his birth certificate. I named him after 
after the fighter. You know, so that's my dedication right there. You know what I mean? Like, I named my son after this professional fighter. And um, <laughs> it's crazy, but you had people that are not into mixed martial arts that I would speak to, and they knew who Fayador was. They, they knew who Fedor Emelianenko was. They, they, they knew this guy. They, they knew, oh, yeah, the Russian fighter guy. You know what I mean? So every Russian knew who Fedor was, even if they didn't keep up. That's kind of like a Canadian. You can be a Canadian, and you don't know a damn thing about hockey, but you know the name Wayne fucking Gretzky. You know, oh, yeah, Wayne Gretzky, yeah, some hockey player. You, you, you know that much. You know, yeah, he's supposed to be, like, the greatest hockey player ever. You know what I mean? It's like GSP now in Canada. Most people kind of, I, I guarantee you, they know GSP, some shape, form, or fashion. They might not follow his career, but they know who GSP is. Um, it, it, it's, it's starting to get like that with Khabib. And, and it's already like that with Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, they know him in Ireland. He has taken a whole country and put it on his back. He, he, he's put the whole country on his back. You know, he's representing the whole country. And I, I think that is fascinating. You know, I, I think that's awesome because you, you really don't see that. You you really don't see that. You know what I mean? I, I mean, that doesn't happen in the United States. You know, you don't see that, and you don't you don't see that in America. You don't see one person representing everything. You know what I mean? You really don't. Um, you see pieces of it. You know, like during the Olympics or whatever. But you don't see a person just single handedly, you know, just conquering it. You don't. And this is what this fight is about. This fight is about that man. You know, these two big, huge, the, the biggest names within their respected sport and they're in the sport and then they respect the country that's what I meant to say and, and man they're challenging each other man and this is like personal you know it, it, it's personal yet it's still business so uh very very fascinating very fascinating uh another Russian fight I want to talk about is um Rustam Kadibilov all right he holds a record of 22 and 3 he's a lightweight fighter in the UFC he's from Dakistan as well uh, the same as Zabib. Zabib uh, Mogamed Dasharapov, he's from Dakistan as well. And like I said, these Dakistanis, man, with this Russian and this boxing shit is, is amazing. But uh, Rostam Kabilov, uh, this, this is crazy. He has four, uh, his record is 24-3, four KOs, four wins by KOs, five by submission, and 13 decision wins. He has um, one sub loss and one decision loss, and he fights at lightweight, which is so funny the same weight class as Khabib, you know. And what makes Khabib very, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to jump, but what makes Khabib so interesting is he's 26-0. and 0. He's 26-0. and 0. Um, With, then, and this is what I tell people, he has eight wins by KO, eight wins by submission, and ten wins by decision. That's a well-rounded fighter, man. That is a well-rounded fighter. You know, this is a guy that could finish you striking. You know, of course, more than like just grind a pound, but he does have a couple like standing KOs, you know. But he could finish you standing, striking. He could finish you on the ground. Um, he has ways that he has the endurance that he can take it to decision and win, you know. And once again, this goes back, man, to that endurance, that, that resilientness of these Russian fighters, man. Um, and you see it. And once again, it goes back to their condition, to their way of living, to their way of life. Getting back to Fedor real quick, and like I said, I know I'm jumping around, but, you know, this, this, is, this is so awesome. 
Sandor, they um I forgot who was interviewing them. And uh, for those that don't know, Sandor was raised poor. He he was raised poor. He was raised poor on a farm. He was a farm boy. And um, you know, really didn't have a lot of money or whatever. And there's pictures of him, man. It's sad with him and his little brother, Alexander, uh, Emelianenko. And um <laughs> they're little babies. Look, they, you know, they're so cute and everything. And they got on these little raggedy ass shorts and these little raggedy ass shoes and it's like, damn, man. You know <laughs> you you would think that this was like this old nineteen something, you know, this nineteen twenty, like some slave picture or whatever. And it's pretty modern. It's pretty modern. I mean, Fedora is only in his forties, man. He's like what, forty five years old. So, you know, it, it's kind of funny that you see uh, it's uh, right, it's kind of funny that, you know, you see Fedora in this light that like he's like real poor. And, it, and it's modern times, you know, it, it's pretty modern times. So it, it, it's, it's, it's real funny, you know. But he was doing this interview, and he was born in um, Utsuka, Russia, or, or, and, it, and, it's, and it's a farm. And um, as I said, I forgot who was interviewing him. And the interviewer asked him, why do you fight the way? Not that Utsuka, old school, old steady old school Russia. Okay, and, and um, the guy asked, or the interviewer asked um, Fedor, why do you fight that way? What, what, what's your motivation of fighting that way? And um, he said something that I'll never forget. He said that um, he grew up poor. He never had money, and he remembered that he wanted stuff. And when he made it, you know, big, and he started making money, whatever the case may be, and when he got into this fight, he looked at the person across from him, and this is the part I remember, you know. He said he looks at the person across from him, and he sees that person trying to make him poor again. So he uses that as motivation that he has to win to continue to make money so he won't go back to that type of poverty. Do you know how motivating that is? Do you know how motivating? I mean, it's sad that you're that poor and, like, you know, you're so afraid to, to go back. But the fear, the fear which leads to confidence, which leads to perseverance, which leads to endurance. So, I mean, he would obliviate his opponents, man. It, it, it was just a mauling, man. You know, he would really dominate. But it was the fear of being poor, going back to where you came. And, and you, that's how you know it's rough, man. That's how you know it, it's rough, man, to, to, to even to think like that, to, to, to say that, to have that type of mentality. And, and I, I tell you, man, I really, really um, appreciate that. Uh, I really appreciate Fedor, man. He, he's uh, technically he's probably like my third favorite fighter of all time. You know, I mean, he's forty-one years old. He's forty-one. I'm thirty-eight. Okay, so you think about this, and, and I wish I could. I mean, I wish I could show y'all the picture, man. But this picture with Fedor, man, he motherfuckers poor, man. He's poor. He's a little raggedy ass shoes, raggedy shirt, and you would swear it looks like a nineteen forty or nineteen twenty World War Two fucking uh, picture. And and it's pretty recent. It, it's pretty what? <laughs> you know, the man was born in 1976. Like, think about it. You know, but you got to realize, 1976, the Cold War in Russia. So, you know, yeah, he was poor. It, it, it's so funny, man, because it all goes back to environment. It goes back to environment. Um, there, there's a fight about the name of War Machine. I'm not really going to speak too much about him. 
that we all know with uh, Christy Mack, and um, you know he he's in jail now for beating up um, his uh, ex girlfriend who was a porn star and everything. But uh, he was on the Ultimate Fighter, didn't make it or whatever. He fought professionally, but um, he had a lot of mental problems. He had a lot of mental problems about how he was raised. He was raised very poor, went through um, physical abuse as a child and everything. This forged him to be. Um, you know this 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 war machine. He he literally changed his name to fucking War Machine. You know what I mean? And and he was a very violent guy, man. You saw it. You saw it in his eyes, man. You saw it. You know, and he would smile or whatever, but you saw it. And and it was the hurt. It was the pain of what he went through in life. So this carries, man. It, it's a type of psychological damaging that you carry with you. And once again, getting back, these Russian fighters have this. They have this. You watch how they fight. You watch how they train. Uh, you know, people wasn't using kettlebells before Fedor was doing it. Fedor was doing things, man, using kettlebells. He was using the doggone sledgehammer with the tires. People was not doing this. People was not doing this. He was doing that old Rocky in the Mountains type training. You know, he was using with the elastic bands, working on the judo tour. I mean, I used to watch extensive footage on Fayador. You know what I mean? Because, like he, like I said, he's, I named my son after this man. You know? And if you look at these Russian fighters that I'm thinking about, and you watch how they grind, you watch how they train, you watch how they focus on endurance and explosiveness, it's remarkable. Now, if I'm saying that Russians are better than Americans, no, I'm not saying that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that. I love this country. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a patriot. I'm an American through and through. But it just, I, I admire the work ethic. I admire the, the drive. I admire the grind. And one thing, and I don't want to get too political, man, this country is too free. We don't know the hurt. We don't know the pain. You know what I mean? We don't know the suffering. And, and maybe maybe it's a good thing. Made, but I feel it made us soft. It made us soft as a country. Even militarily, it's made us soft. I remember, um, you know, um, I, I went to a sniper school. You know, I'm a certified DM. i show y'all proof of that or whatever. But um, we used to, and I, I did a lot of special training and different things like that. Nothing like force recon or nothing, you know. But I did a lot of high-speed shit. Like, with, I went to a lot of high-speed, low-drag schools. I did a lot of cool shit. But anyway, I remember um, during DM school and the different schools that I went to, especially learning mount training and different things like that, we were used to watch videos on other special force units, um, Muslim units, that were actually, it was... Um, Man, these 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 motherfuckers were ninjas, man. They did fucking obstacle courses at ninja schools, and you know a lot of them were trained by our CIA. And but like they they were harsh, man. They were brutal. They they were doing just amazing stuff, man. And it's just like wow, you know, it was an eye opener because while I was out there getting prostitutes and, and getting drunk on Saturday. These guys were training how to fucking kill me, man. You know what I mean? These guys really took this shit seriously. It, 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 it wasn't, you know, they weren't doing this shit for a GI fucking bill. They weren't doing this to try to, you know, 
pay for college. They weren't doing this shit for bullshit. They were doing this shit to preserve their way of life or their ideology, and they were straight killers. And, and it showed in their training. It showed in their work ethic. It showed in that grind. And that's something America doesn't have, man. You know, America doesn't have that. And when you watch these these competitions with American shooters and, you know, and different things, other countries blow us the fuck out. When you start dealing with international competitions and different things like that, and I'm not just talking about the Olympics, because the Olympics is very organized. It, it's, you know, I'm talking about when you start watching um, survival type, where they put, like, these games and these competitions and shooting and wilderness shit. You know what I mean? Like, America gets their asses kicked. They get their asses kicked. There was a show um, that was the, it was called The Deadliest Warriors. I have all the seasons or whatever, all the episodes. The Deadliest Warriors, and um, season two, preferably, they used to match, like, um, Navy SEALs against Spetsnaz, and, you know, it was more, like, combative with guns and different things like that, the second part of season two. And every time it came to the United States, other countries, like, yo, <laughs> No fucking comparison, man. You know, what would, set, what would set us apart was our technology. That would set us apart. But when you spoke about pure grit and you spoke about, you know, being a Billy badass, America is not it. So, and, and, I, and I'm being truthful, and any, any law enforcement person, a military person would tell you that when you do the comparison side by side, we're lacking in that. And it's because we're too free. It's because we don't appreciate where we come from. It's because we take what we have for granted. We are a bunch of snowflakes. We are a bunch of, you know, individuals, man, that that are privileged and we're spoiled. And I'm not just saying privilege as white privilege. I'm saying it's American privilege. I, I traveled all across the world and those that traveled. And I've spoken to people. And a lot of them say they hate Americans because Americans think they're all that. You know, I uh, I shouldn't be saying this, but I remember when um I was in Russia. When I went to Russia, I got me a Russian prostitute, all right? Uh, the best $800 I've ever spent in my life. I know I pay for pussy, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got uh, got one of our directors in the back. He's back there laughing at me. But uh, <laughs> one of the directors. But um, I remember speaking, you know, with this prostitute before we did the dizzle. And like I said, I would gladly to this day pay that 800 Well, I'm a married man. But if I was not married, I would gladly pay that 800 again. I think her name, her name was Olga. And I tell you, she didn't look like no Olga. This bitch was beautiful. But anyway, you know, she, she, she spoke a, a fairly amount of English. And um, we just happened to get into a conversation about, you know, the different cultures and, you know, different men that she's been with. It's funny. I'm, I'm talking to a prostitute about motherfuckers she's been with before I go and eat up pussy and everything else that I do, because I'm a nasty motherfucker like that. But anyway, um, you know, and she was telling me the difference between, you know, how American men come and how they would act and how they would treat her. Not bad, but it was this type of arrogance. It was this type of privilege, you know, and this is that uh, American privilege that I'm talking about. And I, I've heard it other places that I've gone, not even dealing with prostitutes or whatever, but... um you know, I can't believe I actually said this on the air. I'm very open. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, you know it, it's there. It's, it's the American privilege, man. And, and it's just the, this American attitude that 
you know, we have, you know, and I, and I have it too. I mean, I have it too, and you know, and I try to catch myself. It's oh, man, you 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 There's nothing wrong with having pride, but when that pride turns into arrogance, you know what I mean? It, it, it's a problem, you know, or it can be a problem. But these Russians, I mean, yo, don't get me wrong. I've met Russians that, hey, dude, they say, oh, the Americans are weak. You're pussies. You know, I have a Russian friend, man, uh, you know, that I work with in law enforcement, man, and he would say, man, just the differences. So, hey, fucking Americans are always complaining. Always complaining. You always complain. You know, you don't know suffering. You know what I mean? And it's like that. You know, and, and, and that's how it is. And the Russian invasion, man. These Russians are turning mixed martial arts upside down. And I'm not saying that they're the best fighters. Once again, I'm not. But they're bringing something different. And I compare it to what the, um, what, what the um, Dutch did with kickboxing. That, that's the best comparison that I can compare it to. The, what the Dutch did with kickboxing. As I said before, you want to get... The best training in kickboxing, go to Holland, and you will get that training in kickboxing. Hell, even Fedor Melianenko, even Fedor has Ernesto Hoost, and if you don't know who Ernesto Hoost is, you need to do your motherfucking homework, all right? K-1 champion, Ernesto Hoost, who is from the Netherlands, his kickboxing coach. Okay, his kickboxing coach. So when they came to kickboxing in Muay Thai, yo, the Netherlands has hands down. Go to the Dutch. They got you. This is what's happening with the wrestling and the grappling, with this combat sport. Um, yo, go to a Russian, man. Go to a Russian. Go to a Dakistanian. You know what I mean? <laughs> go to a Ukrainian, you know, because they're changing the game as we know it. And as I said, it's a very beautiful thing. Uh, it, it's something fascinating. And, and I want to say something. Um, I know he would never listen to this. But John Jones said a statement and said about Khabib needs to know jiu-jitsu. If Khabib um, made a comment about last week, said if Khabib knew jiu-jitsu, he would be, you know, this and this and that. First of all, I'm going to tell you something. From Sambo, you learn basis of jiu-jitsu from judo. Okay? Uh, jiu Brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of came from judo. Well, also the judo. I'm not going to go through the, the lineage of it, but they're one and the same. Fedor doesn't need to learn jiu-jitsu, Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He doesn't need to. Um, wrestling has always, always neutralized Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Always. Now, when you mix wrestling just with submission grappling or the know-how of submissions, you will not see these wrestling guys get tapped the fuck out like that. You don't see it. It's very rare. Now, I'm not saying that they won't get tapped out. I'm not saying that. But it is extremely rare. They're being tapped out. It's not because they don't know what's going on. It's because they're fatigued. It's because they're tired. You know, these wrestlers are no submissions, man. Especially if you do Sambo. If you do Sambo... Oh, hold on, hold on. We have a caller. Hold on. Caller, um, you're on the air. Yes, Keith. It's Glenn. Hey, what's good, Glenn? How you doing? 
Uh, doing great, doing great. Uh, I was well, a little, uh, little under the weather earlier. I worked till eight p- eight a.m. So I didn't get to oh, go to the gra- uh, grappling class that I normally do. But we gained an additional uh-huh. member. I think it's the guy that oh, works nice. with sticks, if I remember who I saw at the grand opening. So he works yeah. with sticks. So, uh, so those guys know stuff. So I, I think if it's the guy, I think it is. I think his name is Tyler, but that has not been confirmed yet. So who's all on the show? Um, right now it's just me. It's just me. I'm just talking. It's actually um, it's funny. Um, I'm I'm kind of wrapping it up. Well, you know, some minutes, but um, but well, no, I think it goes a little bit longer. But um, I was actually it's funny that you called. I was speaking about John Jones, what he said about how Khabib needs to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I was just explaining to the listeners that I don't feel that he needs to simply because he has that Sambo background, and Sambo has judo. And if you take a high-end grappler, grapple, and that's what my grappling instructor, when, when I showed him some, uh, um, I have like I don't know how many um, downloads. I mean, how many how many um, MMA, whether it be Sambo, Win Chun, whatever. So mm-hmm. I was showing him some of the stuff. It's like, oh yeah, we do this in class, or we do that. It was uh, who was the guy? Um, he sounds like Mr. Rogers. You know what I'm saying? He he does the instructional sambo videos. Okay, I don't think. Something. Okay, but I mean, you know, you know, and, and uh, he's like 140 pounds, and uh, or he can uh, bench 140. And the guy yeah. he was practicing with can bench 450. So, uh, yeah. I, I, but uh, so so he was saying. Yeah, we do this. I said, well, he does some other stuff. I don't know, like with the with the fish hooks and that the fish hooks philosophy. Yeah. And so he says, yeah, a lot of that stuff is we do already. And exactly. I guess he was saying that Sambo, uh, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, uh, what, 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 what's another one that's on the ground? Um, you know, but, I mean, these are all stuff that I guess they're all interrelated. They're connected. I mean, yeah, Judo and Jiu-Jitsu are all the same. You know, it's like the Japanese were doing it before then, and then, um, you know, Obviously, the Gracies, you know, the people that invented Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, yeah. came along, and it's pretty much the same thing. Same thing with Sambo. It's like, except they have fish hooks or stuff, and it's like um, a lot of these, and I don't know how many submissions we have yet to learn in our yeah. class, but it's like it's all very, very similar. Exactly. Yeah, and and I was I was that's what I was mentioning that uh, right before when I saw that you called it, it's um. It, it all ties in. So, you know, if you know one, you kind of know the all. Now, there's some certain things that are specific, but it's nothing that I say. If you have a high-end wrestler and he gets caught by submission, and you, you'll see, you don't see a lot of high-end wrestlers get caught. There's only one high-end wrestler that I know that has a horrible, horrible submission um, loss record. Who's that? That's Shel Tonin. Shel Tonin. Who? Shell Tonin is the oh, only Tonin, one. Yeah. yeah, he is the only high-end wrestler Chase that I know. Chase BB was pretty good. I mean, at the WEC, he was pretty good. Yeah, you remember him? But no, he was, I don't. Uh, one of the, I think there were the Montini. Um, I don't know if they were triplets or whatever. There was Chase. There was Connor. Uh, he was in the WEC. Uh, he was. I want to say one of the lighter weight classes. He went to Montini High School. I don't remember if they. Um, if if they did any college wrestling, uh, but uh, Montini High School that's in Oak Brook Terrace, Illinois, so that's near yeah. Oak Brook, uh, Illinois. It's uh, 
it's um, pretty pretty much when when Driscoll Catholic in Addison, Illinois, when they seized operations, a lot of the students either they went to and and, and this high school is pretty good also uh, in Elmhurst, uh, Immaculate Conception Catholic High School is a, is another one. Yeah. But I mean they're known for the football. Montini really became a juggernaut in football, and they were always known in wrestling. And they're like one of those smaller, um, you know, classifications in the state of Illinois. But they can they can they can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. They can hold their own with the Providence Central Catholics. Um, you know, uh, obviously Mount Carmel. Those are wrestling powers in Illinois. Maybe you know Sandburg High School is another um, juggernaut. But uh, Montini can hold its own. And Chase, he had Connor, and there was a, another brother. There, there were like three BBs that all wrestled. But he, he knows his stuff. You remember, he wrestled in the, um, you know, before they, they were eventually bought by the UFC. The, you know, um, probably uh, what, what was his name? Uh, Uriah Faber. He was probably the biggest star there. Uh, Brian Sams. I think their biggest weight class was like um, two hundred five. Brian Sams. Brian Stamps, mm. uh, the military guy. Okay, you talk about when the, the, the WC purchase? The WEC, yeah, they, they were um, and they were on, and then they were uh, bought out by the UFC. But that's where yeah. Chase BB came from. Brian Stamps, okay. Uriah Faber, and he lost his title to Mike Brown before. Okay, obviously, the I know UFC. Mike Brown. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with Mike Brown. I'm familiar with Mike Brown. Yeah, but the WC was a smaller weight class. But Shell Sonnen has non-submission losses. He's the only high-end grappler that I know that that sucks at submission. Defense. He came from there also. He came from there also, I think. Jail WEC. Yeah. Yeah, he's fought in the WC. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's just like you know, uh, you you won't find a lot of high-end grapplers, man, being subbed and tapped out and being dominated. Wrestling neutralizes Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It does. And this is why. And it's like the I one. The one thing. The one thing that. Um, this one person I told you about, Chris Halter, he, he's the one that um, he, he stopped doing jiu-jitsu so he can get his barber thing, but he's going to go back to it once he gets his barber's license at the barber college. Mm-hmm. He says the people that gave him, you know, when he was doing jiu-jitsu, the people that gave him the most trouble, take a guess who, wrestlers. Wrestlers gave him the most trouble. There was this, um, the Harper College wrestling team, and this head coach, 150 pounds, when he gets heavy, you know what the term getting heavy means, right? Keith? Hello? Yeah, how Hello? are you there? Yeah, yeah okay. Can we hear me, Keith? Te- yeah, okay. I had a little technical difficulty at the studio. Sorry about that. Okay, yeah. So what I was saying, so Chris Halter... He was the one, he's, uh, he stopped doing jiu-jitsu, you know, for his um, barber college thing. You know, so he can yeah. get um, his degree, and, and then once he gets his degree, he'll go back to, um, you know, obviously doing jiu-jitsu. The toughest people he said he went against, they could guess what it was, who, who they were. Wrestlers. Mm. You know, um, this one, um, Harper College, and a very good wrestling program at Harper Junior College. You know, in Hawkins yeah. States, you know, um, just a little bit uh, northeast of where I live. So the head coach there, uh, I forget his name, the head coach. So him, him the head coach, and, and the wrestlers would go to this 
Gracie Jim in Schaumburg, Illinois. And um, uh, he would when he would get heavy, and he weighs 150 pounds. When he gets heavy, you know what it means to get heavy, right, Keith? Correct? Keith? Uh, I'm talking about when yeah. he cuts. Yeah, so, so when he gets heavy, when he gets side control, you get heavy, you breathe oh, okay, a okay, certain okay, way. Okay. And, and, and you stand, like, on your tippy toes and that. 150 pounds... I kid you not, he said, Chris Halter said that 150 pounds felt like 350 pounds. Yeah, 150 pounds. Wrestlers yeah, show me. give him the most trouble. They give him the most trouble. <coughs> so if you're just doing plain jiu-jitsu, for, for, for a jiu-jitsu practitioner, I guess for anybody who does ground wrestlers, Give uh give you the most trouble. Yeah, well, because you, you, this you got to realize it's um wrestling, uh, you know, and I'm like freestyle or whatever. It's about control, man. It's about control. Yeah. So once you establish that control and that base, and you already have knowledge of submissions, and see what it is. See, this is what I tell people: you don't have to be a submission artist. You just have to know no. submission defense. More you know and submission you're defense. Jiu-jitsu. If you're doing jiu-jitsu, you're on your back. So you're, exactly. you don't care about control. And exactly. so obviously the wrestler, he's been taught if you get on your back, you get pinned. So exactly. you're not going to get him on his back, and he's going to definitely do everything he could. And, and that's why they, they give the most trouble, you know, against exactly. somebody who's, again, you know, works best on their back. A lot of now, people do. it's funny that you say that because – Today, it was said by, you know, you know, Eddie, oh, I know you know Eddie Bravo. Of course, I know you know Eddie Bravo. Just playing. I've heard of him. And uh, yeah. what, what's your opinion? Somebody trashed uh, trashed his rubber band style. I forget who it was that trashed it. The but, rubber guard? Uh, he said as successful. Yeah, the rubber guard. Uh, who was the one that did it over the weekend? Well, here goes the thing about, about with the rubber guard. I'm going to say this. He, he never said that he witch corn. He said the rubber guard was an old move in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that he learned, and he just popularized it. He just brought it back. He was just like, oh, he just extended it. He took something that was there and just kind of extended it, but he said it was always there. He, he's always giving credit to, like, no, I just kind of popularized this, but it was always a part of. This is you so think funny. They, they're too flexible? They're too flexible because he said for all that it's worth, and I, I know a lot of people – I know Austin Wild Whitey, Singletary, Billy Garibald, they mm-hmm. swear by, and there's a lot of good of, um, um, I'm not saying there isn't, uh, Eddie Bravo's 10th planet, very, very good, but he, but my, my grappling boxing and weight training instructor, Neil Cervoni, uh, you talked to him before, he was on the show before, yeah. the show. Uh-huh. he said that, uh, the, as for all it's worth, it's, it was maybe too flexible because it, it did, it, you know, it led to, he he has spinal problems now, and he brought. Well, yeah, up. well, you know the thing is, it, it, I mean, it also, I mean, that depends because that's the same as saying with these um, karatekas who strike these damn stones their whole life, and now they can break bricks, but they have fucking arthritis. You see what I'm saying? That that's martial arts, bro. Sure, martial. Same thing with sports, with football. You see these old football players, man, they're broken. They're ten men. You know what I mean? So 
That's with anything where you're putting your body to the extreme. With either Mike Ditka or Dick Buckus, um, they couldn't exactly. bend their knees, I guess. Um, one of them, I can't, might have been Dick Buckus, needed somebody to dress them. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So it goes part with it. Um, my feelings on the rubber guard, I think, is very good for having more control on the bottom than just being in guard. I think you could can transition a lot of moves from it, you know. Um, very, very nice, you know. But just I was going to say with Eddie, Eddie Bravo, which is, um, I think he's an innovator of the sport. He was the first to beat he a is, racing competition. He is an innovator, so, but how do you avoid the spinal problems? I don't think you can. I don't think there's anything that you can. I, I think all because you know he stretches. He has to stretch. You know he stretches. You know I, I just think that is just the way. Oh, yeah, he's of big on flexibility on yoga. Yeah, I mean, and, and and I applaud him for that. But it's just you know the spinal problems. That's the concern. Yeah. That's the big concern. It's it wear and tear. Just happens, and it's something that's going to happen. That you can. It's like a wrestler. You have people that have wrestled for decades. I don't. There's not a single one that doesn't have bad knees, bro. There's not a single one. It's part of it. it it's you can't escape it. They're going to have bad knees. They're not going to be and able to. And with grandpa jujitsu, that's the one thing. My my left knee swelling up. I don't know if you saw my Facebook thing when I showed how my knee is, and it's better now. Exactly. Yeah. You I know, but 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 still, um, and Mark Holbrook was a Facebook friend, member of Chicago White Sox Pride and Passion. He was a former wrestler. And, uh, yeah. and he says his wife's, I don't know if his wife has, has hoop bearings, but he has Puerto Rican relatives, so they have hoop bearings, yeah. you know. So, but, uh, so he was saying, have, being a former wrestler, he would have, like, he, uh, when I showed him my knee, he said, uh, it could be a bursa sac tear. He would have, like, um, obviously to elevate it, but he would have fluid drained being a wrestler, you know, having wrestled himself. Yeah. But still, it's going to be – you can't escape it, bro. You can't escape it. You, it, it. It's something you can't escape. It's part – that's the wear and tear of the body, man. It, it, it's and like that's a what person, Mouse was saying, like, too. That's yeah, what Mouse was saying, too. When I, was on, I, was a, I was a guest on – yeah, uh, Chris Yarbrough, when, uh, Mighty Mouse. When, when I was on a show, and I told him, right now I'm in the best shape of my life. So it's like, you might be in the best shape right now, but – I was in the best shape for the longest time, but it's like the wear and tear, it catches up with you. And you might be in the best shape now, but I always was yeah. in the best shape of my life. And because of the wear and tear at the time, you know, I, I need supplements now. I mean, I, that, you know, I can't do underground anymore. I have to just limit myself to boxing because of the wear and tear, the attrition. Yes. You know, and, and but this is what I was gonna say with Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo said something very interesting because you mentioned it about being on the back. He was said this on um, I believe it was the part. Problem. With, it wasn't a Joe Rogan podcast. It was um, MMA, I think, talk something like that. He said the problem with okay. Khabib because I want to see Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. To me, that's Sambo versus Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That that that's my opinion of it. That's what I feel that it is. Tony Ferguson uh, Jiu Jitsu, right? Yeah, Ferguson Jiu Jitsu. He's on the tenth planet. He, he's he's under um, okay. Eddie Brown. And but this is what he said. He said the problem. He said that that what people are doing with Khabib is that when Khabib takes them down, they try to get up. He says what we're going to do and how we're training 
you're going to stay on your back, and you're maybe you get them in a um, a, a triangle, maybe in yeah, the, the one you, you put your 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 foot in in front of them, and then you you uh you, you hook their hand, and then you you twist them like that. I forget what they call yeah. it. He said like a plotter or something like that. Yeah, a go-go plotter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go-go plotter. You know, he said that um, he, 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 they're, they're practicing the fight there. He said they don't attack. He says what it is, Khabib is used to that people are like, oh, shit, I got to get up. And this is where he controls them more, gets them more bats and punishes them and punishes them. He says, no, we get there. We're going to fight on our back. We're going to, you know, elbows. We're going to strike with yeah, uh, I mean, you can you can do an armbar from the bottom. You can you um do a, a wrist lock or a hand lock from there. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a couple of things you can do, especially who it's coming from. This is Tony Ferguson. This dude is flexible. He's he's unpredictable. I mean, honestly, I'll say this: when it came to Khabib versus Tony Ferguson, I said that would be his toughest fight. That would be his toughest fight. I don't think Conor McGregor is Tony even Ferguson if he lives the on the ground and and a, and a lot of. He lives on the ground, and a lot of grapplers. It's like as my my grappling boxing and weight training instructor when he doesn't move, he would say, you know, um, you know, obviously you don't want to be on the ground. It sucks to be on the ground. But he would say, okay, there. But if you are, there's certain things you can still do on the ground. And a lot of these guys that get up, they don't like to be on the bottom. But um, and, and I think the cool thing about my boxing weight training grappling instructor Neil Cervoni is that if you're on the ground, okay, you can do this, you can do this, you can do an arm bar, you know, from there, grab his arm. You can you can do um, a wrist, you can do, uh, you know, like a hand, a hand submission. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, there, there's things you can do. I mean, there are things. and But it's, it's, going to, it's Tony Ferguson is Khabib's greatest challenge. Even if Conor McGregor knocks Khabib out, he can be knocked out, no problem. Anyone can be knocked out. As I tell people, there's no such thing as a lucky sub. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a lucky punch. There's definitely such thing as yeah. a lucky punch. But there's no such thing as a lucky submission. And you can oh, even sit up. A... You can even sit up. You can even sit up in there, and then you go to uh, um, an arm bar. You know, you, you take, yeah, you take mean, your knee against his head, and then boom, yeah. you sit up, and then you grab the arm, and then boom, bye-bye. Yeah, when it comes to grappling, there's no such thing as luck. And I feel Tony Ferguson has the the skills, the ground skills, and the standing. His standing is pretty decent, especially compared to Khabib's. You know, but the ground, his unpredictability, he can do things there. I'm I'm I'm, I'm scared of that fight. That's a scary fight, and I'm not even fighting him. But that, to me, that's a scary fight right there, man, because Tony Ferguson's a beast on the ground, man, and he's so resilient. And you can even you know, scissors, too. You can even scissors. You can um... – this this one girl who would um, uh, YouTube videos of her beating wrestlers, her scissoring them. Um, this Angel Santiago, who used to be my boxing instructor when my grappling instructor on Iron Nutrition did his classes under there. Uh, he he trained with her. He trained with her in jujitsu. If you ever seen YouTube videos of that girl beating wrestlers, be, beating her male opponents, he he trained with her. And so you know you can scissor also. Yeah, scissors, scissors, like scissor takedowns or, or scissoring or transitioning um, to get top. Yeah, like you're, you're on the back or and, and you reverse. You end up reversing your – well, you're not on yeah. your back, but you're you're on the bottom. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like, he, but he's a guy that can do it. He can definitely do that uh, to Khabib. 
Um, so you know, it's interesting. It's really interesting. But I think that is that is a more challenging fight than um than um the what you call him than um Connor. Even if Connor wins, Con- Connor Connor's gonna win. This I'm gonna tell you. This this, I'm, this is how this fight's gonna go. This fight is gonna go like this. Either someone's gonna be dominant. Connor's gonna be dominant where he knocks him out and it, and it's clear. Or Khabib is going to be dominated. Boxing background. He's going to have to do it in the air, use his boxing background. Because I think if Khabib uh, takes him to the ground, uh, Khabib will have the advantage. Yeah. No. It's not going to be three rounds, five rounds, nothing like that. It's not going to be one of those type of fights. I, I guarantee you. And it's not. It's not going to be, oh, here we go to round four. It's not going to last that long. It's not. This is going to be. Two rounds or two rounds or three rounds. What round does it happen? If it, if it lasts to the third round, I'd be extremely surprised if it lasts to This is a first-round finisher. Definitely so second you're saying round. If you get your food, get your popcorn, you know, before the introductions. You Don't be late, yeah. you know, because if you – you know, um, obviously, if, if 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 you're late getting your refreshments, you're, you're liable to miss up. You're, you'll miss the end of the fight. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a long fight. It's not going to be a long fight because you're dealing with these specialists. And and both of them, both of them are capable of doing it uh, quickly. But I, I think it's yeah, going to be Khabib. I think Khabib takes say him to the ground. Yeah, I, I think you know both of them are capable of doing it early, and I think Khabib. I think you know Khabib is tape, capable of taking them to the ground, and I think he will. That's my thought. Yeah, yeah, but my, this is the thing: at what cost? At what cost? I mean, Connor's a slippery bastard, man. I, I had to really go back and look at footage and everything of Connor again, and I was looking. I was like, "Fuck, man! No one moves like... Well, I can't say no one moves like him. There's only one other person that moves like him." Only one other person, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson is the only person that moves like Connor, and I think I think Tony would smash Connor. Connor, but that's a whole different story. I think the top five lightweights would smash Connor. But the two-year layoff, I mean, you said at what cost for it to be, but the two-year layoff, and and this is where I I think he should have a a tune-up fight or two before he goes against Khabib. Not going to chance it. Not going to chance it. You'll lose money. You'll lose money. Well, it's like with Aaron Rodgers and and, um, Aaron Rodgers and um, and Tom Brady. Maybe 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 it's not a fair comparison, but you know you can get paid your again. It's like it's all. What do you want? The titles or the rings? And Ali had two up fights. He didn't just go with Joe Frazier right away. He had, uh, I think, Jerry Corey and then Oscar Bonavina and then Frazier, if I remember. This but is like, you know, I know um, Aaron Rodgers, Sharon Rodgers, we like to call him in Chicago after that, that former Boise State player who ended up with the Patriots uh, knocked him out. And then Roy Robertson Harris uh, from Texas El Paso knocked him out, I guess, in the first quarter. And then he came back in the third quarter. Uh, he was warming up, but 
uh, you know, it's like, do you want rings or do you want, you know, the top ten highest paid quarterbacks? If you know, you said well, yeah. it's about the money, you know, but it's well, like well, the top ten I mean. highest paid quarterbacks don't get don't get rings, you know. But, and but Tom it's not Brady even that, is like the eighteenth, so he, he's but like the eighteenth highest paid. So do you want the rings or do you want the money? Do you want the title, Conor McGregor? This is where I'm going. Or do you want the, your money? This is it. He gets the reason why. There's 140 million people living in Russia. There are about almost 5 million people living in Ireland. Our prediction, and many people are saying the same thing, this is going to be the highest mixed martial arts bout to date. Champion versus champion or former champion. Remember, Conor wasn't beaten. Conor still holds both titles. He wasn't beaten. Right now, True. Khabib is the lightweight champion. This is this this is the champion champion, and you get the money. Now, picture Connor takes a nobody. Can't you still have that fight later on? Connor gets a tune-up fight or two. Wouldn't that be smart? You can, you no, can no, get your money later. This is why it's not. Because if you win, yeah, it's good. But if you lose, you go back down to the bottom. You lost that money fight. There goes the mystique. You're not making that money anymore. Now, if he loses to Khabib, guess what? He got the highest fucking payday in his UFC career. He lost to the best. It's not like you lost to a chump. You lost to the champion. Now we can always do a rematch. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Depending on how you lost, it, it, it's better that way. You don't want to beat it. That's yep. why people say Ronda Rousey but coming you back. Did the same thing, especially as dangerous as Oscar Bonavina was. You remember what he did to Carl Middleberger, you know, uh, Mildenberger or Middle. I think Mildenberger, that's what it was, the German uh, heavyweight champ. I mean, yeah. you know, he could have lost uh, Bonavina, but he didn't. And that fight was awfully close before Ali put him away. You know, I'm sure Ali had it on, on the uh, judges' scorecards. But, you know, he put yeah. him away, I think, in the final round. You know, so, yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, he could have he could have, he could have caused blue the Frazier fight with the loss to Bonavina, but he didn't. And so that's the same thing. And it's like, I think it would be smarter. I think going right into it, you know, Khabib will kill him. A tune-up fight or two, and then, you know, while there's a risk, there's a greater risk with McGregor. With a tune-up fight or two, it's like you're ready. But you, you even said so right now at this stage, he's, he's not, uh, he might not be one of the top five, you know, people in this division. Yeah, but if you're going out, at least you go out on top. That's like Ronda Rousey. True. Why would Ronda Rousey come back for a tune-up fight? People, I mean, I, I, I said she should have too, but it's not. It's No, go for the glory. Go for it. If you win, you get a layoff. You come back. You're the woman's champ again. You beat Holly Holmes. You know what I mean? Who beat Misha Tate. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, <laughs> it goes good. I mean, not Holly Holmes. You beat um, Amanda Nunes, who beat Misha Tate. You see what I'm saying? It comes back with this yeah. this, this this Rocky story. Then you go and you beat Jessica so, I and Jessica I knocks you out and beats you. Now you're definitely a bum. But I, I say you do what you got to do to win. You can get your money, but um, you can always get your money, but you, you do what you got to do to win. That's why um, Tom Brady's the 18th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And he's even yeah. uh, deferred money, you know, in order to, because he cares about the rigs. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, uh, Rodgers, you know, and the Packers beat my Bears by one. And I don't know if they were tired. I don't know if it was just, you know, somebody blew an assignment or actually it was just a, a blown tackle or like, um, 
I guess he, he went, I don't know if the person went for the pick or whatever, but, um, you know, it's like after cop caught it, it's like, you know, he, it was like somebody, uh, somebody, I don't know, was going for the pick and cop just happened to get behind him if you saw that play. But it's so, but it's like, you know, um, yeah, you get your 34 million, but if you're the Packers, you know, you, you got the wide receivers, you got your tight end and Jimmy Grant, but it's like, the, the secondary is young, you know. The the linebackers, there's very very little or no depth. It's like really thin, paper thin. You got a new defensive coordinator, so and you got no running backs. So it's pretty much Cobb's wide receivers and Jimmy Graham. While the Bears were able to, and that's why they had the money to get Khalil Mack. You know, you got um, somebody on on a beginning deal, Mitch Trubisky, his their quarterback. And then you're able to get wide receivers for him. You're able to get, you know, a, a, a tight end, Trey Burton, in addition to Taylor Gabriel and Ellen Robinson. You know, and then, of course, you, you were able to get players in the draft. And then, uh, and then you, of course, you traded. You, you have the money, not only the two first-rounders, but you get the money to sign uh, one of the top three, um, you know, defensive players in Khalil Mack. It didn't show it that night, but I guarantee you in the future, you know, um, you know, because Trubisky is not the highest paid. Uh, it might not be yeah. this year. Either this year or next year, they're going to get their Super Bowl, and, and Aaron Rodgers is going to hamstring the Packers. Same thing with the money yeah. of McGregor. The same thing, well, you know, without the tune-up fight, I say Khabib. No, you have to. You have to go Khabib. See, the thing what it is with, 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 with other sports and fighting – the time scale is not the same. The Bears can always say, damn, they beat us this time, but we're going to face them again during the season. You can't do that in fighting, bro. Yeah. Sometimes fights are one of the right time. It's like this with, with um, Floyd Mayweather said with Pacquiao when he lost to Brady, to Bradley. It was, it's Bradley. When he lost to um, Bradley. He said, damn. Yeah. He said, you lost to Bradley for less than $2 million when you could have came with me and fought me and lost and would have got the biggest payday in your life. <laughs> but don't you think Pacquiao wanted to do that? But they had, um, I guess, uh, they were trying to get it together. But then Mayweather had these, like, oh, you have to agree to uh, the Mayweather camp. You have to agree to well, a yeah, drug well, test time, within five days of the fight or whatever. Yeah, during that, it was Bob Arum. Because you got to remember that um, Pacquiao was under Bob Arum. And Bob Arum wanted more money. And because, um, because um, what's his name? Because Floyd Mayweather is totally independent. He's, he's his own promoter and everything else like that. Sure. It was the thing with Bob Arum, and Bob Arum wanted more money. And um, Pacquiao was like, no. Basically, Bob Arum wanted a 50-50 split. He wanted a 50-50 split. And that's when, um, what's we call, that's when Mayweather was basically saying, I'm the A side. I'm the A side, the B side. They're coming to see me. They're not really coming to see him. They're coming to see him try to beat me, but Even I'm the A side. Wasn't Pacquiao um, as good as anybody at the time before the Bradley fight? Um, yeah, but it, I, not fifty-fifty. You know what? You know what I would have called the fifty-fifty, and this is the reason why. In that case, okay. if Pacquiao was an undefeated fighter, yes, yes, then it's you know best of the best against the best. This man had losses. You going against me? I got a donut. I got no losses. My mystique is high. So yeah, they come in to see me, not really you. I'm making this fight because I have that zero. They don't know what to expect. You, you know, so in that sense, I give it. And this is why 
Mayweather puts himself above Muhammad Ali. He says, Muhammad Ali is great. This and this and that. No disrespect. I'm better. I'm greater than him. And people say, why? They say, didn't lose. And I think that's ludicrous. I think that's ludicrous because it's true. Ali, I mean, uh, it's the truth. After the layoff, that heavyweight division is a lot tougher than Floyd Mayweather's division could ever dream of. I got to, I got to, we got to debate that one. That's a podcast for next week. (laughs) But no, you know why I say this? This is why I say no. Because you had, you had gold medals. You had just in the, whether it be the heavyweight or the light heavyweight, you had at least three heavyweight gold medalists, you know, facing each other in that division. Foreman, I guess, is a heavyweight. Frazier, I think, won the light heavyweight title in 64. Ali won the light heavyweight, I think, in 60. So you have okay. Olympic gold medalists throughout that division. And then, then you had Norton, who was not bad no, yeah, for Norton, uh, yeah. a former Marine. And, and, then, and then you had Bonavina. And, and I, I mentioned what he did to Carl Mildenberger, you know, the German. You had uh, Floyd Patterson was, well, he was on the, but he was still a, a heavyweight champ. You, yeah. you know how many heavyweight champions Ali faced? How many now, How many world champions? Did he faced like eight of them. Charles Sonny Liston, and that was that was like, and I think he would have beat him later on too, but <laughs> Liston, and then Patterson, and then uh, Ernie Terrell, for some reason, uh, was a title holder. Jimmy Ellis was a title holder. Um, you had Frazier. You had Foreman. You had, uh, you know, obviously but, Leon Spanks was a, a pretty good up-and-coming hungry one. But, uh, here's the difference, you know, Here's the difference. Here's the difference. And I get what you're saying. And I would agree if it was compared to anyone else. Here goes the thing. The reason there were so many Jimmy champions. Ellis. Jimmy Ellis also. Yeah, but the reason there were so many champions, that's because people lost. This is a man that cleaned out his divisions. Divisions. And didn't take an Ali out. was undefeated before the layoff. I don't know why Terrell got the title. It might have had something to do with people not recognizing him after he was Ali inducted in the losses. military. Ali has five but losses. He, five. he had five yes, losses, five. but they all came after the layoff. But when Terrell was a title holder, I think what happened was, um, for whatever reason, you know, Ali should have been the undisputed. Maybe, maybe Ali, uh, they, he wasn't recognized or he was he lost his title due to maybe not being inducted by one of the organizations and he ended up beating Terrell. Whatever reason, Terrell ended up a title holder. You know, uh, well, Ali should have had all the belts heading into the Terrell fight. And then, um, obviously, he lost his title. He was stripped of his title. But the, the five losses, the first one, he's uh, obviously, he should have had, um, he still had a little ring rust. And you're, you're talking about, you know, but Frazier was still a beast. Foreman was still a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess Norton, he beast. underestimated him. He did too much clowning. Same, um, so, but that was a stacked division. That was a stacked division. And it's like, you know, uh, but the same you know, way, like the what same competition did Mayweather face compared to Ali? It's you the you same. see what I'm saying? Stacked. It was stacked. I can't. I can't. I can't knock. No, I can't knock him on that. I can't. It was stacked. It was just a stack. It was the. This is the thing that was what about people forget about Floyd, and the same thing with Mike Tyson. 
people say Mike Tyson fought cans. It wasn't that Mike Tyson fought cans. He fought pretty decent fighters, man. Frank Bruno was a good fucking fighter. You know, he just happened to lose to to the biggest names, um, Holyfield and, and, and Lennox Lewis. But it wasn't that Tyson was fighting cans. Tyson was just so good, he made good fighters look like cans. That's the same thing with Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather fought good names, top names. Oscar De La Hoya, come on, a legend. You know what I'm saying? But that's the same Ali fought was better. Should I be mean, look at, you know, and, and even though he beat Ernie Shavers, Ernie Shavers, you know, Ron Lyle, go throughout the whole division. That's why I say that was the and, – and, and, and if you have a couple losses, and, and don't forget uh, – Three of the losses were after that first space loss. Three of those five losses happened. Well, uh, the first two happened right after um, the Frazier one. He said he was clowning. He said he, uh, because of his popularity, he slept at Madison Square Garden on a cot or whatever. He said he would have slept in a hotel. He would have done a whole lot of things differently. He was clowning. He wasn't. Uh, um, he wasn't fully uh, back. You know, there was still some ring rust. Uh, obviously, Ken Norton, he underestimated him. Too much clowning with that. But three of the losses happened after he had, because uh, in 77, apparently he had symptoms of Parkinson's disease in 1977. When he lost to Leon Spinks the first time, that was after uh, the symptoms of Parkinson's. And I don't think Floyd Medweather ever had the, uh, the symptoms of Parkinson's. So you had the brain rust uh, probably even affecting him against the Ken Norton fight. Uh, when he fought him the second time, he was definitely fully uh, recovered from the brain rust from being stripped of his but title. But the thing. Yeah, those are reasons, but he lost, bro. He stepped in that. Yo, he was Arturio Gotti, Zab Judas. Uh, Car- uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Ricky Hatton, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez, uh, Victor Ortiz, Miguel Cotto, Canelo, Andro Berto, Conor McGregor, like yo, Manny Pacquiao. You can't deny these names, man. These are names of great of legends. I mean, I see where you're coming from, but it's like if Muhammad Ali wouldn't have lost those fights. I would be saying the same argument, but being undefeated so, means. But there something. are factors. There are factors. You know what there I'm saying? Factors. There are factors, but, but I mean, especially it's just the Parkinson's syndrome. He might have had yeah. Parkinson's going into that first of the two, going into both. But the second one, he was smarter because he would jab, he would punch, and then clinch. So yeah. whatever he did, he did differently, and you know, in the in the second space fight. Yeah, it's and like what home, people say obviously. It's like what they say about Julio Chavez. They said, oh, Julio Chavez had 50 um, wins before Mayweather, this and that, but he kept fighting. Exactly. He kept fighting, and he lost. And then the Parkinson's, if he had Parkinson's, that makes it um, even more admirable. You know, I mean, just to win the title back for the third time. No, he does. No, no. And, and anything I agree that Mayweather had done. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with that, but... A uh, uh, loss is a loss. Even say, say Adora Melianenko. I named my son after the man. My my son, and I said it down, this is my second time saying to do the watch call. My son's name 
is Fyodor Emelianenko Vaughn. That is my son's name on his birth certificate. Fedor because of Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah, that's my son's name. That's my son's legit name, birth given name. All right, I love Fedor, but Fedor had one loss of a of a DQ. Now, no one didn't beat him, so I kind of put an asterisk by the same thing with John Jones. John Jones, people, he has a DQ loss with Matt Hamill because of that nine to twelve elbow bullshit. You know, six to twelve elbow, twelve to six, whatever. But sure. no one has actually defeated him. People defeated Muhammad Ali. People defeated Mike Tyson, Joe Frazier, Joe Lewis. I mean, Joe Lewis, my second favorite of all time, sixty and three. He still has three losses. When compared to a person, but I would still like consider him to be an even better fighter, fighter than Joe Lewis than. Um... You know, I guess then uh, Floyd Mayweather. Again, what did him yeah. in, the reason he had to keep fighting, because, uh, oh, let's, let's donate my, uh, my my purse, my earnings to the war effort, you know. Yeah. And then yeah, what happens for it? Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, he donates his, his uh, purses to the war effort, and then uh, and then what happens? But you forgot to take out the, the taxes, though. You owe taxes. Wait, yeah. you did, I donate my earnings to the war effort, and yet I owe taxes? I you know, know. U.S. Know. government? Who, but uh, I have to ask you this question. Who, but 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 who, do you seriously think you are trapping? Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But he still got those three losses, man. Being undefeated means something. And Floyd Mayweather, I used to, I used to kind of feel more how you, how you feel. But Floyd Mayweather taught me that zero is money, bro. Floyd wouldn't have been able to do none of this shit that he did if he would have had a loss. If he would have had a loss, what, what, that means, let's see Floyd. Yeah. Let's see Floyd deal deal with the Vietnam War and, and Parkinson's. Let's see how how Floyd is then. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. But we can't say that because he doesn't, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of like he didn't have to face that. He had to face other things. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to compare about their struggles. But when you step in, here goes the thing. And, 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 and as a fighter, you know, and, and you know, when you step in that cage, yeah. you step on that mat, you step on that ring, whatever, there's no excuses. You know there's no excuses, bro. True. You True. know what I mean? Um, yes. Yeah, I won with a broken arm. Like, Willie. Willie won that shit with a dislocated arm uh, against Damian Meyer, which now we know after the fact, okay, it explains a lot why he wasn't throwing the right hand. You know, he was just stopping the takedowns. You know, it's considered one of his worst performances, but yet the man stopped 24 fucking takedowns for most of UFC history. Takedown defenses in one match. And another thing about Ali, another thing about Ali, and I don't know how much of this, I'm sure a lot of this was on his own or how much of this was the nation of Islam itself. You know, he was fighting fights for, you know, helping, helping many, you know, whatever third world country, uh, Muslim or otherwise, whatever third world country, that's why he would take these fights later in his career. Yeah, no, 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 I do. Don't get me wrong, man. I commend Ali 100%. I commend him. I'm not taking anything away. I'm not, and I'm not trying to sound like a dick about it. I am just saying that Floyd Mayweather with the zero and considering having no losses and considering not only he had no losses, he cleaned out his division and beat and fought and beat the best of the best 
convincingly. But as good as they were, not in the same level as that heavyweight division. Same thing about Rocky Marciano. Great fighter. Was he one of the greatest champions ever? Same thing with Mayweather. Was he one of the greatest ever? It just didn't compare to the heavyweight division in the 70s. That was like yeah, a murderer's I mean, role. It doesn't, it doesn't compare, but he cleaned it out and he fought legends. Dude, all these people that, that Floyd Mayweather beat were legends. They were top four or five two fighters. They weren't slouches. Come on. They, they, weren't, they weren't slouches. You know what I mean? So it, it, you you got to give the credit where it's credit due. Do they compare to, you know, the George Foreman's different things like that? Of course not. No. But like I said, the reason why they weren't other champions, because Floyd dominated. He monopolized it all. You know, so yeah, but what it is, yeah, we gotta continue this next week, definitely. All right, we're gonna get together and um, oh man, there's a lot of going on at the studio. Um, I have three minutes left. Uh, you want to do any shout outs? I, I think the babies, I, I think your your children agree with me. I think they agree with me. Yeah, they agree. <laughs> yeah, he hit his head. A lot going on here at the university. I, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. And did you hear my? Um, it, it's too bad you weren't on my first show. But Lou uh, from New York, he heard my very first ever. I crapped three people. I crapped the Donald. I I I even I, I crapped the dead president Richard Milhouse Nixon, and I crapped the uh, one guy for failing to show up at the grand opening for Lake Zurich Family Martial Arts. Jake Muzzin. So I crapped all three of them in my initial. Who you crapping? Yeah. Well, okay. All right. All right, here we go. I got two minutes, 35 seconds left, Glenn. I'm going to rush you. Any shout-outs you want to make? Well, thank you for for um, letting me call the show, letting me um, – this this great debate here, which will have to continue, uh, whether it be my show or or uh, your your show next week or wherever. Yeah. But thank you for that. Thank you for everyone at Street Beefs. Thank you for obviously Sunshine Trask and her hoop bearings. She saw in the I saw in the GIF earlier for Christopher <laughs> Wilmore for uh, the great job I guess he does with Street Beefs and uh, just how how awesome it is. And that's it. All right. Um, I just want a real quick shout out to basically everything that you said, man. Street Beefs, Street Beefs family, those training. Um, thank you guys for tuning in for the Russian invasion, Glenn. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, always a pleasure. I'm sorry Pleasure. I missed your show um, the other day. Right when you called, I was call, sitting there driving on the way to work, man. Yeah, I'm definitely calling. But um, just want to thank everybody. We're going to close out here with um, a commercial, and then we're going to end it with a song. I'm, I'm taking a page out of your out of your book. Close out with a song. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like All right. Yes. So thank y'all for tuning in, and we are out. Street Beast Internet Radio brings you the latest in training and nutrition tips from Glenn Brophy. Check out What's Good with Glenn on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, right here on StreetBeastFights.com. Fuck up or shut up. The area's leading computer company has teamed up with the area's oldest computer company. 
Fat Cat Computers and Comstar Computers have teamed up to bring you the ultimate in IT solutions and PC repair. Fat Cat Computers, 726 East Market Street in Harrisonburg, 540-801-0681 or on the web at www.fatcatecf.com. At Fat Cat and Comstar Computers, we're not number one, you are. happen to a guy like me, and only happen in a town like this, so may I say to each of you most gratefully, as I throw each one of you a kiss, this is my kind of town, Chicago is. My kind of town, Chicago is My kind of people too People who smile at you And each time I roam Chicago is calling me home Chicago is Why I've got grim like a cloud It's my kind of town Oh. 